It's Thursday at 11 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. As always, I am Daniel Locke alongside Griggs Blankenberg. No month and a half hiatus. This time we are back. Unfortunately, hoop season on the plains has come to an end. Yes, it has. Uh, it was a great day on Thursday. We both were there. We talked about it on the show. We had a we had a blast. Uh, and then people say this all the time. It was a tale of two halves. It really was. Let's start with talking about the the well. The final score was Houston eighty one, number one seed versus the number nine seed Auburn Tigers sixty four. Leading score in this game was Houston's uh, Tremont Mark, who had twenty. Um, who had 26 points. I think the leading rebounder in that game was also a Houston Cougar. It was it was Jalen Walker, or Jarris Walker, sorry. He had 10 rebounds. And assist leader in this game was the All-American Jamal Shedd with uh, six, re, uh, six assists. But yeah, first half, Auburn's leading 41-31 going into the break. Everything's looking good. Got the momentum. Uh, I believe Houston comes out on a um, 10-2 run to start the second half. Yeah, something like that. They took a lead pretty quick. And then they just made no adjustments. I mean, let's just rant for a second here. That was one of the worst second-half performances I have ever seen. That was awful. If you give up 50 points to your opponent and you only score 23, that's unacceptable. Free throws, horrendous. Horrendous. Trey Donaldson was five from five from beyond the arc, but barely saw the court in the second half. But yes, remember he he made one turnover and he gets taken out. Makes no sense. Yeah, that's my one like real criticism about Bruce Pearl is he just he's very he's too loyal to guys who have just been here a little longer. Like has Wendell been here longer than Trey? Yes, but was Trey in my and obviously Bruce Pearl's making millions of dollars to coach this team and. In a few years, I'll be making peanuts to talk about it. But that's just – I just don't really see the logic there. It just makes absolutely zero sense. I get why Zepp Jasper's on the floor. I love Zepp. He had his first defense. But when they had – when they had their Marcus Sasser and Sheed out of the game, one of them is a first-team All-American, American Player of the Year, and you let them go on a run without their All-American and without their second-best player, who both, by the way, were not 100%, that is unacceptable. That is plain out unacceptable. You cannot let them go on a run when you have all your ability. You have no one in foul trouble. Sasser had four fouls. He was taken out in like the 12th minute. It was still a pretty close game. I think it was a three or four point game. And you let them go on like a 10-0 run. Unacceptable. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, I really don't see how that you can just kind of let that happen since it seems... Like, there are decisions that could have been made differently, and if they had been made differently, um, that wouldn't have happened. So I'm kind of at a loss for just how you could just go from being up 10 to down 2 within minutes. 23 points in the second half in college basketball. Yeah, that, that's in awful. A, in a quote-unquote home game. Yeah, it was a home game. It really was. I mean, I there was one section of Houston fans. And Something like that, and then, orange and, blue on? Yeah. and then the people with uh, crimson and white. Yeah, but man, I just don't get it. I mean, window green, thirty-two minutes, four for nine, nine points, four fouls, three turnovers. He's not a true one-point guard. 
No, he's not. He's not a pass first point guard. And Katie Johnson gets 24 minutes off the bench, one for seven, one for three from three, eight points, only because he went five from seven from the free throw line. Him and Alan Flanagan were probably the only two consistent free throw shooters of the night. Well, really, it would, we went 19 for 36. Jani Broom, six for 16. That's the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bruce Pearl was right after the game. Without Jani Broom, we don't get there. That is a that is a certified fact. We do not get to the NCAA tournament without Jani Broom. Because if you remember, if we don't beat Tennessee, we're probably not talking about this right now. Probably not. We're talking about potentially going to the Final Four in the NIT. Right. I just, True. Again, with the Trey Donson thing, if Katie Johnson's one for seven and Wendell Green has nine points in fouls, why is he only getting eight minutes? If yeah, you I ask anyone, any Auburn fan, who do you think the best player in these two games were, it'd be Trey Donaldson. Oh, for sure. I just don't get it. I don't either. It just makes no sense to me how this happens. I mean, again, I didn't grow up an Auburn fan. I don't know anything about this. But, like, how do you let this happen? You let both their best players go out of the game with foul trouble, and you somehow still let the other team get a lead on you? Bench points in this one. Hold on. I'm trying to figure out what – Auburn, Auburn had 16 bench points. Yeah, that is abysmal. They had, um, they only had 10, but still, Marcus Sasser had 22 points, and Treyon Mark had 26. Re- uh, rebounds to this game, they had 45. We had 34, tied on assists. We had eight turnovers. They had more personal fouls. Both teams shot the same. They, we had 31. We shot 31.3 percent from three. They shot 31.8. They shot 41% from the field. We shot 37%. But then the free throws. Yeah. They shot 24 of 29 for 82.8%. And Auburn, 19 for 36. 52.8%. And what scares me is besides Zepp Jasper, there's potentially this is the exact same team as next year with the addition of Aiden Holloway, who's still our only signed player for the class of 2023. Yeah, we're going to hit the portal hard. Um, one guy in the portal that Auburn has reached out to who I'm high on is Denver Jones, a 6'4 um, shooting guard from Florida International. Averaged like 20-ish points per game this year. So, and 6'4, I'm not really like, high on short guards because, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's great. If a short guard can absolutely shoot lights out from beyond the arc, that's one thing. Ours can't. And, you know, some short guards are still good at getting to the rim. Ours aren't. So I just want a guy who can shoot from deep, who's tall enough to drive on a guy who's six, seven or taller, and just kind of that a taller lineup is kind of the way I prefer to go. I also want us to look at Eddie Lampkin, the TCU transfer, six eleven, two sixty two. Yeah, I mean this has also got to be said about Dylan Cardwell. If we go out and get three straight centers in the transfer portal, and each of them start over you, you might as well just. Yeah, yeah no, it's not. You're not. You don't have a future here. I'm I know sorry. he's a fan favorite just because he's so charismatic, and he's like, "We're just talking ball here, though." It's just, yeah, it's this just, is this is hoops. I mean, if you're the backup center, you're playing nine minutes, one for two, two points, two fouls, and only one block on Saturday. Yeah, and it's just he's a defensive liability, and he can't score. So it's he's either the greatest block you've ever seen, or it looks like he's about to try to take someone's shoulder off. Yeah, I'm just I'm not really high on Dylan Cardwell at all. Um I mean, great guy, but like mm-hmm. you said, we're talking Paul. And then there's also the questions of Jalen Williams, Alan Flanagan, who's going to come back, who's going to use their COVID year. Um, Zepp's gone, so that's only one roster spot open. Stretch is also a senior who is on scholarship. I'm going to be interested to see where that is. He played, I believe, two games this year. Can't remember. Just 
we need people to we need people to open up and we need people to just take their talent somewhere else. If that's how you say it. because we just with this same lineup, I just can't see anything in that regard changing. Because again, I don't think we have a true one on this team. I do not think we have a true pass first point guard or someone like that who can create opportunities. No, um, that'll definitely have to be a focus in the portal. I wouldn't be opposed to Aiden Holloway taking that role. I really, really, really would love it if we land the Denver Jones. I'm not sure how likely that is. A lineup where we have Aiden, Trey, and a healthy Chance Westry, that makes me excited. Yeah. Those three make me excited. Because you have Aiden Holloway, who is a pass guy, who can shoot. Chance, who showed flashes in Israel. I know, well, we had other people show flashes in Israel, and they just didn't pan out this year. But, I mean, it's a, I mean, I guess we're kind of being a little bit selfish because compared to what last year was, our first year's true Auburn fans, that was incredible. Yeah. You can't – I guess we're a little bit selfish in that regard. But to be up 10 at halftime and to lose by 17. 17. Yeah. Giving up 50 points in a college basketball game in the second half and only scoring 23. I was walking out of the uh, arena with my friend Grant, and he said, I would have been happier if we'd lost on a buzzer beater than I am right now. Because at least that, or like that, might hurt more. Bingo. But yeah, like it might hurt more in the moment. But then, like once the initial shock and pain wears off, you're like, "Holy crap! We took the number one seed, number two overall seed, down to the wire. We didn't get our butts whooped. We were in the game the whole time." Because that we were talking about that on the way up. I was like, "Man, we're gonna be stressed." He's like, "I feel like if we're stressed. That's a good thing because it means it's a close game." I wasn't stressed in the second half. I was just furious. I was furious too because it's this thing. It's always my analogy with sports. They gave me hope. Right. I didn't expect us to win this game. Plain and simple. I didn't think we were going to win. But the fact that we were up 10 at halftime unlocked something in my brain where I'm like, oh, my goodness. We got a shot, which gave me hope, which hope is – I think this is what the way Morgan Freeman said it in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can kill a man. Yeah. That is true because that really hurt. Yeah. Because, again, I didn't expect us to really beat Iowa that much. We played the perfect game – to beat Iowa, which is a great thing. It's just, man, it's just that one, the, the runs that Houston had where we didn't call timeouts and where they had their non, they didn't have Sasser on the floor and they were still beating us. We just had, we didn't have, it's not like last year where we had people off the bench to go to. It's just, we didn't have really any reliability off the bench this year. Yeah, we didn't. And like, it's kind of like the opposite of last year when the team was felt so deep. I mean, late in the year, obviously, we had nowhere to turn to, and if Jabari's shot wasn't falling, that was it. But, yeah, it's just... I got a question for you, though. Yeah. What do you think was more upsetting, this game or the last year where we were the number one overall two seed? Oh, last year. Miami. Okay, last yeah. Year. Yeah, I'd probably say same. Because, you know, this year, the week before the season ended, we weren't even sure if we were going to make the tournament. Um, so, instead of being a favorite to go... To, when you're a favorite to go to the national championship and get beat by a 10 seed versus, you know, you're there's a decent chance last week of the year you're not in the tournament. You get in, you win a game. Because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what I – this is – I'm not really that upset with how the season, like, ended up other than the way the game happened. Mm-hmm. But just, like, the way the season went, I feel like winning a game or two in the tournament – I feel like Sweet 16 was our ceiling this year. Yeah, I could agree with that. But overall, compare what would you final talk about Auburn basketball this year? What would you? What do you rank Auburn basketball season this year? Like letter grade? Yeah. Okay. This is actually a little tough because hype wise, 
like we were supposed to be a contender. It's probably also because of the football, just it was the mess yeah, that was. True. And we were, everyone's like, we have to just hold on to basketball. Overall, and what I'm, I'm kind of – so there are a couple things I'm taking into this grading. Mm-hmm. The just kind of where this ranks in the history of the program. This mm-hmm. is a top 15 season because it's Auburn's only made the tournament. It's so crazy times. to think about that. Yeah. So th- this is a easily, easily a top 12 season. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, it gets some points there. The hype kind of takes it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, just kind of there were some real disappointments this year and just some real blown, blown games. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna give the year a C plus. I'm gonna go with the C just because of the fact that going into this year, what we saw in Israel, I'm like, Johan's legit. Yeah. Chance is the chance is the next. It, it's him. He's a dude. And I'm like, we have all our guards back who've hopefully matured some. And just, I think the first game I could tie, kind of tell something was not right was I think that Northwestern game where I'm like, what is going on? And then St. Louis, I'm like, okay, they kind of brought me back to reality a little bit more. But then it's just like some of those games like over Christmas, like Memphis, even though they were a tournament team, USC, even though they were a tournament team. I think so I could tell something was really up when we went on the road and lost to Georgia. Yeah. I think that's the turning point when we were I'm like, okay, this is not the same as last year. Something is up. But that's when I kind of realized that oh this team is not that great. But, um, but you know, it's we move on. Move on. We move on, and we, we live for next year. Absolutely. But that is going to do it for our talk on Auburn basketball. When we come back, we got more basketball covers to talk about. It's time for the Sweet 16. First games are today. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke alongside me today, and as always, it's Greg Blankenberg. Before the break, we kind of gave our final report card on the Auburn basketball season, and now we're going to preview the Sweet 16. Let's start off. Let's start off in the order that they're going to happen. First off, let's start off tonight. It is number seven seed, the Michigan State Spartans, and Tom Izzo taking on the number three seed. Kansas State Wildcats at the, at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. That is tonight at 5.30 p.m. on TBS line. Currently is that Michigan State is a point-and-a-half favorite. Um, but over-under is 138 points. Kansas State's coming in here with all the hype, but Michigan State, the last two times that Tom Izzo has made it to the second weekend, he has made the Final Four. Yeah. Um, they're just – I say this all the time. They're just teams that are good in the postseason. Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans are one of them. Um, this Kansas State team that's not as hot as they were earlier in the year, um, you know, Michigan State's battle-tested playing in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So, I really – I'm – I don't know if this is on our pickums today, but we might. Well, I think we're gonna put most of them on from. Okay. But yeah, this is the this is the Big Ten's last chance. Yep, last chance for the Big Ten. Um, I think they had the most teams coming in. Them, them are the Big Twelve, and then now in a matter of hours, it could be done. Yeah. So there's that with that, but this is a great game because Newell's just been so good, so so good for them these past couple days. And this weekend in the tournament, and yeah, this is the, this is the Big Ten's last shot. I mean, Michigan State's the last team from the Big Ten. It's crazy how much hype that Tom Izzo gets. I mean, I called him the most overrated coach in college basketball last week, but the amount of hype they get for only one title—they're mm. starting to. 
Would you consider them a new blood? Michigan State? Yeah. No. What would you call them? Blue then? blood. You call Michigan State a blue blood? Sure. What is our criteria for blue bloods? Because when I think blue I bloods, know. I think UCLA first, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and maybe Indiana. Those are the ones I kind of consider blue bloods because they got the history, they got the old titles, they got the new-ish titles, not in Indiana's case. but Wow. I'm not I'm taking – but that's kind of what I associate with that because Indiana basketball is basketball. I mean, my cousin who goes to Purdue, please, Lord, help him now. But um, – um, it's kind of a different thing. It's like different from us because they get into every sport free, and then for basketball they have to buy tickets. Huh, that's weird. But yeah, the Big Ten needs something, man. Yeah, this is it's been too long. It's kind of like the thing what they've been saying like they play so great in the regular season and they just beat each other up where it's just too much to get back into it once they get to March. That's kind of their thing. I would agree. Yeah. Moving on to also tonight on CBS at 6.15 p.m. from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada, sorry. It is the number eight seed Arkansas Razorbacks taking on the number four seed UConn Huskies. UConn is a four-point favorite. Eric Musselman versus uh, Dan Hurley. My goodness, I need this matchup. See, just a coach's camera. I want to see this. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very excited for this one. I'll be covering baseball tonight, but I'm going to bring my iPad for the sole purpose of watching this game. I'll be in my lab. <laughs> um, brutal. Yeah, brutal. But, yeah, I'm very excited. I, I, this Arkansas team, obviously we've talked about it, didn't quite, not a year it went as planned, but you're still in the Sweet 16. A thing that's going for them, though, is the amount of, they're the best, by far the best eight seed in the tournament. Because they, when fully healthy, they have three McDonald's All-Americans. I mean, Nick Smith didn't play half the year. That's the reason why they're not a top five or four seed right now. You have to consider that. I mean, it doesn't really – teams are going to see this Arkansas team and be like, it doesn't really matter what our seed is. If we can get an eight, nine seed or below, we can do well in the tournament because we just have all this talent built up. That's why it's interesting with the NCAA tournament with that because, like, trying to think of an example. Um, I don't know, that Michigan team last year was pretty good. Who were the 11 seed? And then they ended up going to the Sweet 16. It's just the amount of time. It's just the seeds don't really matter as much once you get to March if you got that 8-9 seed or below, if you know what I'm saying with that. Yeah. Moving on now, let's go to tonight, TBS, 8 p.m., Tennessee. Uh, number four seed, Tennessee Volunteers versus the number nine seed, Florida Atlantic Owls at the Mecca at the Garden. Tennessee is a five-point favorite over under 129.5 points. I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't expect to see Tennessee here, especially with the injury that uh, that uh, Sakai Ziegler had. Yeah, I didn't expect Tennessee to get here either, but here they are. Florida Atlantic um, coming off a win over Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, and then a one-point win over Memphis. They're hot right now. They are. Uh, they've played – well, Memphis, good. Uh, FDU kind of – UAB is pretty good. Yeah, UAB is good. And the way they beat UAB, too, they beat them by 22 points. Yeah. But then Tennessee is just an interesting thing. They're kind of limping into this tournament. I mean, they lost to Auburn, beat Ole Miss, lost in the, uh, the uh, SEC tournament to Mizzou, beat uh, uh, Louisiana by three, and then beats Duke, thank goodness, by 13. So I'm, is the Rick Barnes curse finally over this year? Or what do you need to see? Do they need to make the Elite Eight or Final Four? Yes. Yeah. I just need to see – something that's like, okay, wow, that's pretty impressive. Mm. And I just haven't seen that. 
I mean, if they win this game, they uh, they would play the winner of Kansas State, Michigan State. So, I mean, this is his best shot. I'm gonna be honest. This is his best shot to get to the Final Four. Is yeah. Any other year? I mean, think about it. he had Kevin Durant, and we're saying this right now. Exactly. Which is crazy. And then we'll talk about them in a minute. But the Crimson Tide probably got the other easiest. Yeah. Um, let's finish it up with tonight's slate of games with the number three seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs taking on the number two seeded UCLA Bruins in Timo Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, UCLA is a point and a half favorite over under 145 and a half coming into this one. UCLA sustained some injuries, but they come in out for an 86-53 win over the UNC Asheville Bulldogs and a 68-63 win over the Northwestern Wildcats and Gonzaga beating Grand Canyon University 82-70 and TCU 84-81. Yeah, everyone always kind of questions Gonzaga's legitimacy every year, and I feel like this game is a big chance to prove it, that like they are that team. Mm-hmm. Especially with the injuries that – I mean, UCLA was still my pick to win the tournament, even yeah, though they did same. have the injuries. But, yeah, they've gone through a lot, man. They've gone through a ton. And this has got to be the game where they have to prove it. Because this is probably their hardest matchup going in, going the rest of the way. I think I'm looking at the bracket kind of right now too in hand. Um, yeah, so the winner of this game would play Arkansas or UConn, which both of those teams below are seated higher. But I think that West region is going to be really interesting. Who comes out of that one? Because a lot of people I know had UConn winning the whole thing, and a lot of people had mm-hmm. UCLA winning the whole thing. Yeah. Let's move on to Saturday now. Let's start it off in at the KFC Yum Center. I had to add that exclamation point onto it. It is the number five seed, San Diego State Aztecs, taking on the number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. That game is at 5.30 p.m. on TBS. There's no uh, score line yet. I think the spread consensus on ESPN right now is Alabama as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 137. My favorite thing about this is that tickets are $29. So, as an Alabama fan, you could probably tr- drive up to Louisville and get a ticket to the game for cheaper than it was to get a ticket to the game in Birmingham. That is true, yes. I do like the, the Yum Center. It's an interesting stadium. I haven't been there. I've not yet. I've just driven by. It's, like, right on the water in Louisville. It looks mm. really cool. And then, like, the big giant cardinal at the center of the court. It's not going to be there for this, but I think Sandy, I think this is the – if Alabama just wins this game, I think they win the, the that bracket, that region, and they go to the Final Four. And here's why: because I think San Diego State's an, a tough matchup for them. It's because they are one of the top defenses in all of college basketball. Yeah, they absolutely shut down Furman, who was a top um, three-point shooting team. Um, Alabama hits the boards pretty hard, though, and they do have one of the highest point differentials in all of uh, collegiate basketball. But when I'm looking at these. Um, these stats for um, um, the teams that their p- opponents' field goal percentages, um, they're near one of the top each time. And their three point per- uh, defensive three-point percentage is one of the highest in the nation. So is Alabama's. This could be a very good defensive battle because Alabama's number three in three-point percentage allowed. San Diego State's 28.8% allowed. But as we both know, Alabama can get to the rack and score inside. Yeah. And they have one of the top – they're one of the best. They're the best team in college basketball right now. I'm sorry. It's just it pains me to say it, but but this is their best shot, like ever. This is going to be their best chance to ever do it. It is a now or never season for the Crimson Tide. And if they don't win this year, I don't think it's ever going to be the same like this. Nope. And hopefully they don't win. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Go Aztecs. Um, 
Moving on, also, let's go through these ones quickly. Uh, number five seed, Miami Hurricanes versus the Houston Cougars uh, at, in Las Vegas. I'm not really too uh, up on either of these teams right now for what they've both done to me this weekend. Uh, Miami, bo- that's got to be painful, both teams, both IU teams. That's got to be one of the first times that's ever happened. What does Indiana have against beating you and my teams? And Miami just beats our teams. I just don't we get can, it. Yeah, yeah, I, I just I don't get it either. Uh, maybe they just know that I hate them. Um, <laughs> we we just can't get a win off Miami, Daniel. No, no, I haven't gotten a win off Miami since 1988. Since the Catholics versus the Cons. And I wasn't even alive. <laughs> uh, Houston's seven-and-a-half point favor in this one. I mean, if Houston's at full strength, I think they can win this game pretty easily. But uh, Yeah, I agree. But, again, Miami runs a weird system, so their guards come out. could be anything. True. Uh, from the Yum Center again on Sat- on Friday, it is the number 15 seed Princeton Tigers taking on the number 6 seed Creighton Blue Jays. Princeton trying to repeat what um, – uh, St. Peter's did last year. Uh, Creighton looks right right now is a ten point favorite over under thirty one thirty nine. I mean, coming into the season, Creighton was a top ten team. Yeah. Kind of what I was saying with Arkansas. If they get healthy, they can be one of the best teams. I mean, but if Princeton keeps that magic going, who knows? But I think I got Creighton in this one. Yeah, if Alabama and Creighton both win, it would set up a rematch from a game in the two thousand twelve tournament. Mm. So that'd be kind of cool to see. And moving on, the final game of the Sweet 16 is the number three seed, Xavier Musketeers, taking on the number two seed, Texas Longhorns, in Las Vegas. At Oh, wait, no. The T-Mobile's – oh, there's two T-Mobile – oh, T-Mobile's yeah. in uh, Kansas City. Yep. That's that's mean. They did that T-Mobile Center, T-Mobile Arena. They're mixing yeah, like, me up. Like I'm like American Airlines. I was like – yeah, I'm like, why in the world are they having two regionals in, in Las Vegas? But nonetheless, uh, Texas comes into this one as a four-point favorite. I think this is a toss-up, honestly. I could see this going either way. Um, Texas has been hot, but so has Xavier. So I really just feel like it'll come down who gets the ball last. What a story! Be an what a story game. for Texas's interim oh, for head sure. coach too, if he can do this. With, I mean, he's already going to get a contract, but you know, it's kind of just like the season they've hit kind of good. It's kind of like I don't want to relate this, but like what the Raiders kind of did yeah. in twenty twenty one, I think. Yeah, but yeah, this is a toss-up. I can't. I'll let you know who I got and who he got. But that is going to do it for our talk on the NCAA tournament. When we come back, we got more coverage for you in the world of sports. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth. I'm sorry. I got mixed up (laughs) like I was on Friday. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Craig Blankenberg. The first 30 minutes of the show have been all college basketball talk. We're going to keep going a little longer. Yes, let's do it. Let's start off in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We meant to talk about this earlier, but we forgot. But let's start off just going through the bracket. Alabama destroys Texas A&M. Corpus Christi, 96-75. Not really a concern. I mean, it was a little bit of concern for Bama because uh, Brandon Miller had zero points in that game. But now looking back on it, it doesn't really matter as much. Um, first game of the tournament, well, we were on the air for, too, for this one. Maryland beats West Virginia, 67-65. That went, one went down to the wire indeed. Very great game to watch. Uh, an interesting one down in the wire as well in Orlando. San Diego State takes down Charleston, sixty-three fifty-seven. Yeah, that was a good game. It was. It just it's the three-point defense of the of the Aztecs just were too much for the Cougars. Mm-hmm. One of the best moments we've gotten from the tournament so far. It is the thirteenth seed Furman Paladins taking down the number four seeded Virginia Cavaliers. Virginia has now lost to a 15 and a 16 seed as well as I believe a 14 seed a couple years ago. But the Paladins get it done in Orlando on a what was that pass? 
Yeah, I, I understood what he was trying to do. He was trying to just chuck it as far as he could, but then it just went to half court, and they made three and one. My friend who go, my friend Will, who goes to Furman, was there. I can only imagine what he was going through in that moment. That had to be tough. No, he's a Furman fan. Oh, never mind. That I, had to be amazing. It had to be absolutely incredible, especially after what he went through. Because he went, I don't know if you remember this last year, he was at the game where Chattanooga made the game-winning 35-foot three That's to beat right. Furman to um, win their conference and not, Furman would not get the automatic bid. So he was there. So it's nice to see something like that go his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creighton beats NC State, thank goodness, 72-63. Because NC State shouldn't have been there. It should have been Clemson. Yeah. Um, Baylor beats UC Santa Barbara 74-56. Uh, Missouri beats Utah State 76-65. And the Princeton Tigers take down the Arizona – what's their mascot again? Wildcats? Um, yeah. Wildcats, 59-55. Continuing, I believe, I think this is the third year in a row of 15 seeds beating a two seed? I think so, yeah. Yes, because it went Oral Roberts versus Ohio State in 2021. 20, 20, um, last year, St. Peter's, Kentucky, and then this year, Princeton, Arizona. Right. Incredible. Uh, moving on down to the east, it is Fairleigh Dickinson taking down the Purdue Boilermakers 63-58. Me and Connor, our uh, friend Connor, were talking about this one. Fairleigh Dickinson learned from the Big Ten's mistakes. And they were talking about on the radio thing the other day, no one pressed Purdue until the last four minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. They did it the entire game. That is how yeah. they won. The worst strength of schedule in all of college basketball, the shortest team in, I believe, either the tournament or college basketball, gets it done against probably the national player of the year in Zach Eady. Yeah, and I saw this one thing. They would have been a seven-point underdog to um, UMBC in 2018. Which is nuts. You know something also? They closed at the same spread as UMBC did. Really? I still think the UNC, UMBC upset was a little bit better just because of the fact that they at, UMBC destroyed them. Yeah. And Virginia was the number one overall seed, I believe. So I think that's the reason why it was better. But then but I get the argument where Fairleigh Dickinson's was more incredible because they didn't even know the tournament. It was Merrimack. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't because they're still transitioning. So that's why FDU got it. So I can understand it both ways. I just think that the Virginia team, number one overall seed, was a little bit more. But what are your thoughts on that? Which was a bigger upset, do you think? Um. Well, like you said, UMBC did beat Virginia by a bigger margin back in 2018. But like I said, FDU would have been a seven-point underdog to that UMBC team. So just this is insane. Like, like you said, worst strength of schedule in college basketball, shortest team, their director of media relations is a junior at the university. Mm-hmm. So literally, just like this team that, you know, playing for them probably feels like you're playing for a high school team, I would have to imagine. Do you think this upsets a little bit more than – because I understand within the Kentucky, because that could have been a one seed. And player of the – it's kind of like – it's kind of the same, basically, just different numbers next to the seeding. Players of the year went down to the wire – all this stuff. I mean, well, I mean, like like we've kind of already said, like a 15 beating a two is not that unheard of. Like this is only the second time ever in the 70 plus years I think that this tournament's been going on that this has happened, and they've both happened so like quick to each other, like so in such short proximity to each other. So I think this one's a little bigger than St. Peter's. Uh-huh. Um, it's unfortunate that we won't have the run that St. Peter's got to make. That would have been really cool to see. But, hey, maybe Princeton can do that. Maybe. Moving on, also, Memphis beating FAU. I called this one. I knew too many people were on Memphis in this one. They were already looking ahead to Memphis being in the Sweet 16, beating Purdue. I was. I thought FAU could do it. I mean, Memphis maybe got a little bit, quote-unquote, robbed at the end. 
maybe. I don't know. But FAU gets it done. Most disappointing game so far for me, uh, Duke Oral Roberts. Max Abrams, if you got an extra year of eligibility, come on home to the Plains, my guy. Just Yeah, please. Please leave there because you've already reached your peak. But Duke was dominant, and they just showed it. Um, Tennessee beats Louisiana 58-55, pretty close for them. Kentucky beats Providence at Ed Cooley's last game for the Friars. We got to talk about the coaching carousel, too, so that's incredible what's yeah. going on. Um, Kansas State beats Montana State 77-65. Michigan State beats USC 72-62. Marquette destroys Vermont, 78-61. Moving up to the Midwest, Houston beats Northern Kentucky, 63-52. Auburn beats Iowa, 83-75. Miami beats Drake, a little bit of a scare there, 63-56. The Indiana Hoosiers beat Kent State, 71-60. Pitt destroys Iowa State, proving that they did belong as a a team who did not have to go to the first four, 59-41. Xavier beats Kennesaw State in a little bit of a nail-biter, 72-67. Penn State absolutely smacks Texas A&M, 76-59. And then Texas beats Colgate, 81-61. Anything you've taken away from that region? No, I mean, everything here just kind of... Every game was kind of close, except for that Pitt game and then that uh, Penn State game. Yeah, everything just kind of is what it is. Um, keeping it going in the West, Kansas beats Howard 96-68, even though Howard was pretty close there in the first half. Uh, Arkansas beats the Illini 73-63. St. Mary's beats VCU 63-51. Do we have a 5-seed lose to a 12-seed this year? I don't think so. No, we did not. So that means the stats are not going to be able to keep going where 5-seeds lost to a 12-seed each year since for the last like, 10 years. UConn beats Iona after a scare in Rick Pitino's last game for the Gales. TCU beats Arizona State on a crazy in-a-sequence game, 72-70. Gonzaga beats Grand Canyon, 82-70. Northwestern beats Boise State, 75-67. And UCLA takes down UNC Asheville by 33-86-53. We already talked about some of the second-round stuff, but, Daniel, with the coaching carousel news that's going on, which do you, what coach really stands out to you while making an immediate impact at their program? you got Ed Cooley going to Georgetown. you got Brick Patino in the Big East again at uh, St. John's, and also now Micah Strasbury from Penn State, now purportedly going to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. Um, has the Chris Beard, the Ole Miss stuff, like, was, is that an official thing? Yes, it is. He's already had a press conference and stuff. Okay. Oh, I forgot about him too. Yeah, Chris Beard are there. Uh, and then That's my answer then. Chris Beard there. Yeah, obviously the off-the-court stuff is what it is, not ignoring that mm-hmm. at all. We're not going to talk about it because this is a sports-only show. Yes. But they're there. Just if you're curious, just look up Chris Beard. And uh, it won't be hard to find. I mean, we're talking about also Rick Pitino. Like, come on. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. No, you, you, that's where I was going to go next. You're absolutely right. Like, And, you know, we also have Hugh Freeze on the planes now. So we, we don't have room to talk. We're just. You don't throw stones in glass houses. Exactly. All we're saying is there are some issues. And um, no, one, no one can doubt that either of those three or four men that we just mentioned can coach ball. Mm. No one. So I think they're all going to make an instant impact. I think Chris Beard might develop Ole Miss into a SEC contender. Um, but Rick Pitino is going to St. John's, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a program with history that, you know, at, at a time has been like a perennial Sweet 16 contender. I think that he could easily get them back there, maybe even a little more. And um, the Penn State coach, can't remember his name, going. Micah Strasburg. I think, I think that's confirmed. I'm not 100% sure. I yet. think you're right. Um, 
that that's a big move. Um, good to see kind of Notre Dame really trying to make the basketball program that's what gotta, it's been. That's got to be upsetting if you're Penn State, though, because yeah. you're losing a Power 5 coach to another Power 5 job. I mean, I get the football thing, but that's a really large fan base, and they're just like, we just got our coach stolen from us by Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, it's definitely kind of a thing, like, Penn State basketball, the year that the tournament got canceled, they were supposed they were going to be like a three or a four seed. They're having a really good year. But just definitely one, like Notre Dame, like your Alabama, for most of the school's athletic history, it's just been football, and then basketball's been a mile away. But now, um, you know, they're Notre Dame's trying to make the program on a more even playing field. Mm-hmm. And I like to see that. Like, personally, if I was an athletic director, I would want all of my teams to be as good as possible. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that's kind of your job. Um, so I'm going to make sure everyone has what they need to be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, Grand Slam hires by all these teams, ignoring the off-the-court stuff, mm-hmm. all really good hires. I mean, I think the person that could have the most immediate impact, I'm going to say is Ed Cooley. People were calling the move a lateral hire, not really much, but think about it. Georgetown's best teams, Georgetown's ceiling is much higher than Providence's ceilings just because yeah. of the history they have. And it's not going to be hard for Ed Cooley to win two, three big East games, which is what I think they won this year under uh, David um, Patrick Ewing, which that was just, that was, that was not a good, that was not a good match. That was just, that just didn't work, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But then I also, like you said, with Chris Beard, I mean, Chris Beard's still uh, uh, three or four years removed from a national title game with Texas Tech. Right. He is a very good coach. He is. I mean, if you just find people, hashtag come to the sip, I mean, <laughs> you can do anything you – he could do anything he wants if they – but my question with Chris Beard is because Texas just has so much, all of that money they spread out. It's mainly football. But then Ole Miss just has all that money in football. Just how much are they going to invest in a basketball right here? Because I, th- I think the first one, one or two years are really going to be telling on what his tenure at Texas is. Uh, sorry, not at Ole Miss is going to look like. I feel like hiring Chris Beard is a kind of step. F- or uh, uh, this is kind of rough territory because I don't, I don't want to get quoted like defending what he's done. Um, but only talking ball, right? Only talking ball from a pure ball perspective. It just I feel like this is a step in the right direction as far as Ole Miss's um, like top brass and their athletic leadership trying to turn this program into something because they're like, oh, wow, we can get this really good coach at a really good price. Why not? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like, like he's he can recruit very, very well. So I feel like Ole Miss is going to see an instant uptick in recruiting. I feel like the bond that Texas was able to establish was very strong as a team. So – I doubt he's gonna get many transfers from Texas. Maybe just a few. I, yeah, it's I gonna can be, see him not getting anyone. That's gonna be yeah. I could see that too. It's just gonna be interesting to see. Like, I mean, especially Texas is still going right now, so we can't even discuss right. that right now. But I yeah. feel like if anyone from Texas were to join him at Ole Miss, it would be someone who like didn't play. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, again, they're not what's gonna, no four year player is gonna have loyalty for it because he was only there for a year and a half. Exactly. Two years. I don't can't remember. But yeah. But that is gonna do it for our college basketball talk. When we come back, we're talking golf and the Premier League. So two 
Round Ball Sports. When we come back, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. For the first 45 minutes of the show, Griggs and I have talked about nothing but college basketball. Now we're going to get into some other things. Yes, we are. Let's start it off in the world of golf. So this weekend is, I believe, isn't it the, um, it's the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament, which Daniel, this is a very interesting term if you want to explain to our listeners at home how this one differs from the rest of the tour, if you do know yourself. Um, okay, I believe I know, but if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. So what does, what match play is in golf is, so I'll explain what, okay, let me restart that. So most tournaments are stroke play, which means it's just everyone playing against each other and what you score by yourself is what your final score is. So in a match play tournament, um, if you, you're competing against one other guy or, and, um, if you score better on the whole, you get a point. So I believe the staging for this is set up like kind of similar to the World Cup group stage, right? I believe so. I think you play each person once. Yeah. And then it like moves into something. I don't it's a very yeah, it interesting. is group play. But yeah, it's an interesting tournament. And then um so that's this week. Next up is the Valero Texas Open. We're not gonna see probably too many people in that one. And then we return to Augusta National on April 6th through the 9th. Scotty Scheffler hosting. We already talked about his menu. It's amazing. Me and Daniel said it was great. Um, but, yeah, World of Golf. Let's talk about the, the new uh, ball regulations that they're talking about. So what the PGA is, is admitting, which has become to the backlash of many pros, it is the idea of a different ball for the pros. So right now what they're saying is you can use the same ball that a pro uses. So the same Pro V1s you buy at Dick's Sporting Goods or Academy is the same ball that Justin Thomas is using on a Sunday at a major. What they're saying is they're going to change the balls only for the pros, which allows the ball, I think, to go shorter. I think the reason behind this is some places where they go for tournaments, they can't expand the course because everyone's just hitting it so much farther now with like genetics and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's becoming to the backlash of a lot of people just because of it's the thing of like golf it's at its highest popularity. It's been a long time with uh, full swing, the, the COVID golf boom, everything like that. And I think that would be a step back for golf, but I can understand where the PGA and the USGA is coming from this, where it's like we physically cannot like keep these tournaments the same way with places that you can't expand like the tournaments. Yeah, I get what they're coming from or where they're coming from. And like, one thing I was thinking about saying is maybe, okay, have these balls at certain tournaments, but I don't think you can do that. I feel like the players would hate that even more, like having to get used to one ball and then get used to a different ball like every single week. So I can see both sides of the argument because from a fan perspective, it's fun to watch these guys launch it. Mm-hmm. But from the like you said, if someone ever makes a hole-in-one on a par-4, that's going to be like, okay. I do that all the time on the Wii Sports hole. And the Yeah, because that one's short. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's a par four, but only 320 yards. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like this will I, – I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I feel like it's just going to – at least like not now. But, I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never do know. Um, it's an interesting topic. Um, other news to watch um, – it's the funny live golf moment of the of the show. You see their trademark got 
uh, revoked. Oh, let's go. Because the the Live Golf trademark was revoked due to um, um, the nightclub in Miami um, blocked it. The mic called the Live Nightclub in Miami blocks Live Golf trademark. So another loss for the Saudi backed Live Golf tour and. They're gonna. They're just trying. So I've been reading a lot of stuff up on this. It's just like, I don't know how much you know about it either. They're just pushing this team model so hard. Yeah, they really are. They're making people drop their sponsors to wear the stuff, which I understand. I mean, Dustin Johnson can pay one hundred fifty million dollars. He's not really gonna need that money from Adidas no. much more. He'll wear what they tell him to. But then like people like Cam Smith, who's still wearing his stuff because he still is contractually obligated to wear that for a couple more years. But yeah, we're gonna be seeing people look really weird. At Augusta, because they have to wear their Live Golf uniforms. Yeah, um, I'm glad that the Live guys still get to play at the Masters, but not Patrick Reed. Not we are, no. we are an anti-Patrick Reed. Yes. Oh, we're gonna get sued now. Oh, good. Oh well. Bring it on. <laughs> I just I've never been high on him at all. I don't anyway, think anyone really has been. No, no. I used to kind of feel bad for him because it's like, man, there's no way he deserves all that. He's the Aaron Rodgers of golf with. That's kind of me. I shouldn't have said that. No, I <laughs> people, people, people will understand what I'm talking about if they yeah. get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Phil needs to be at Augusta. I mean, yeah, Phil. I don't. Do we count Dustin Johnson's Masters win? I mean, I do. At November at Augusta. I mean, he still won at Augusta. I guess that that is true. But then, like, you have like people like who are. I mean, I guess Bryson and Brooks still have major exemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Smith definitely does. Bubba Watson. Does. That's one of the most interesting people who went to live, I feel like. Because I just didn't – that just came out of nowhere for me, I think. Where, like, he's just, like, a really likable – everyone who kind of left the live tour to go join the PGA – or, no, PGA to live, besides two, besides Cam Smith and Bubba Watson and maybe Ian Poulter – I'm, we're like, okay, I could see why they've had their run into the PGA. They don't really like it as much. Like Patrick Reed, um, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, people who've had opinions like Sergio Garcia. He'll be there. Oh, man. Yeah, Liv did take some guys who just have personalities just, I just don't like. But then again, I mean, you just can't take away. I mean, their thing is if you win a grunt, won a green jacket, you get to be there. So mm-hmm. that you can't just take that away from that. No. It's just gonna be interesting because live right now the two tournaments they've had, the guys they shelled out the big bucks for just aren't cutting. I think Phil's best finish, he's the highest paid player at Live Golf, two hundred million plus. I think it was so funny. His I, best finish is like tied seventeenth. I like, can't remember who said this, but they said if you're gonna pay Phil all that money to shoot, I think it was Fred Couples. Yes, Fred Couples. If you're gonna pay Phil all that money to shoot seventy four, seventy five at age forty, whatever, more power to you. or no, God bless you. It's like that's hilarious. Anyway, it's kind of what we were talking about, I think, off the show a little bit, or maybe on the air, I can't remember. We were talking about, like, these live golf guys. Like, what are they going to do with their contracts? Like, because mm-hmm. some of these guys signed two-year deals with the PGA and a lot of them. And if live doesn't up them, because as of right now, as live is, you're not sticking around too much longer if your broadcast partner in the United States is the CW. Right. And you need an app to watch one of the days. Yeah, no. Because they've gotten everything, like, they got Arlo White. He used to do the Premier League. He did Ted Lasso. You got David Faraday. He was one of the Golf Network's best commentators and personalities. You got the things to make it work. It's just the thing that they try to differentiate from the PGA Tour is the team aspect and then the shorter aspect of it. I agree. And it just doesn't work. I mean, no one's going to – no major company is going to pay nine figures 
and um yeah just doesn't get it um you want to switch the soccer yeah we can let's do, do it let's switch to soccer now so where they are on soccer is currently on the international break so that means all of the players are going back to their home countries to play for them let's get a quick premier league table standing update and first place still are the arsenal uh 22 wins three draws three losses 69 points they are Eight points ahead of Manchester City, who does have a game in hand, though. It's 61. Manchester United, 19 points back of Arsenal. It's not going to happen, unfortunately. But they do have a game, two games in hand over Arsenal, one game in hand over Man City. They have 50 points. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, fourth place, 49 points. They do have two extra games played over Manchester United. Newcastle United, 47. Liverpool, 42. Brighton at seventh. Brentford, eighth. Fulham, ninth. Chelsea's still 10th. That's pretty funny. Let's all laugh at Chelsea. Uh, 11th, Aston Villa. 12th, Crystal Palace. 13th, Wolverhampton Wanderers. 14th, Leeds United. 15th, Everton. 16th, Nottingham Forest. 17th, Leicester City. 18th, West Ham United. 19th, AFC Bournemouth. And 20th, Southampton. That bottom is just getting so congested, and I love it. I know you probably might not like it as much, because then you got to worry about Crystal Palace. Eh. But... Yeah, I like it's that congested. Like, like if Southampton wins next weekend, they'll and no, if like everything stays the same, they'll jump into sixteenth, uh, <laughs> and they're twentieth right now. It's just that's crazy, like how big a win for those bottom teams can be, especially like teams like Everton who've kind of pulled away. Everton was in last place, now they're in fifteenth. Nottingham was also in last place, now they're. It's just all these teams like, Crystal Palace is in twelfth. They have twenty seven points. Southampton wins two games, they're above Crystal Palace. Which is crazy to think about how like how soccer works like that. Yeah, it does. Hopefully, Crystal Palace can stop either losing or drawing people <laughs> and like actually start getting some dubs. I mean, if you're in that position right now and you just keep drawing, you're, I mean, you're you're fine. Yeah. If you just, just don't get, lose, get to that spot. Keep getting points. Keep getting points. That's the true. Uh, let's talk about the stats real quick. If I can find them, I cannot. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about the stats like Erling Holland. You like Norway. He's very good. If you could just change countries, I think he'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah. It sucks that we probably won't get to see him in the World Cup for a while. I mean, they said that for uh, Gareth Bale, and he finally did, because Gareth Bale True. was Wales. Like, And then uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was Sweden. So Erling Haaland has 28 goals in 26 games. That's incredible. Harry Kane, 28 goals, 21 games. Ivan Tony at Brentford, 25 and 16. I mean, that's pretty good. That is very, very, very good. Um, just other stuff was just talking soccer. Did you see Messi the other day get, like, swarmed at an Argentinian restaurant? Yeah. They found out where he was. That's got to be so scary. Oh, Man, yeah. You just have – it was a, at least over 1,000 people just come here. You have, like, three security – like, three police officers. Yeah, that would be very – everyone, like, thinks that's such a lavish life. And, like, I'm sure it's very, very but good. But in Argentina, after your wife's, like – Family owned like uh, grocery store or something like that, or convenience store, just got death threats. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the best player ever. Yeah, I would agree. He's the best player ever, and the fact that he's just able to just, I would just rent out the whole place and get like half the police force on my payroll. Yeah, but especially with, but I'm then again, if that were to happen, Argentina would spare no expense. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. in that regard, just of how big of a star he is. Right. But, yeah. That is going to do it for our talk on the PGA and the Premier League. When we come back, we have a full 
another half of the show. When we come back, we're talking WBC, World Baseball Classics. Don't listen if you're a Mets fan. We're just kidding. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Wheel 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. Welcome to the second hour of the show. The first half, most of it was filled with March Madness talk. Then the last little bit was a mix of soccer and golf. And then now it is on to baseball. It is on to baseball. The World Baseball Classic just wrapped up the other day. Final score of that one. In the championship game, which was the largest crowd, I I don't know this for certain, but I'm going to just go with take a wild guess. The largest crowd at the at Lone Depot Park in Miami they have ever had at 36,098 people. It probably would have been even more crowded if it was... The Japanese love baseball. I just feel like it would have been more crowded if it was like Mexico or Cuba. Yeah. Especially with Cuba. Um, probably The only other time I can think that there have been that many people in that stadium was maybe the All-Star Game slash Home Run Derby. That, or maybe the other World Baseball Classic in 2017. That's right. I forgot about that. One of those. Just definitely not a Marlins game. Yeah, imagine not being able to say that you're the team that's like, you know, inhabits that stadium, that one of their games isn't even a top five, like, event capacity-wise there. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but this is the story. Uh, Trey Turner, U.S. player of the tournament, homered to start the game off in the second. Then Murkiyama homer to right center to start off of them. And then Lars Newbark grounded out to first, and that land allowed Okamoto to score. And then Okamoto homer to left center, and then Schwarber hit a homer into right center. That's something that Schwarber and me can relate to because Schwarber is a player who played for both of our teams. We love Kyle yeah, Schwarber. we do. And then, yeah, it's just let me read you the USA's pitchers that started because I've not heard some of these names in a long, long, long time. Um. Was it Mitch Kelly? Adam Lupert, I think. Uh, Freeland, Adam Bedner, and then Williams. Williams is the only name I can recognize on that list. Because they have such strict pitch uh, limits in this tournament. Because they're... It's my thing. Why do you play this at the, right before the season starts? Why do you not play in, like... I get you don't want to play baseball in November or December. But you're playing in Miami. I mean, come on. Yeah. Just doesn't make that much sense to me, but I think this is really great. I mean, I focused more personally. I focused more on the 2017 World Baseball Classic than this one. I don't know if you can speak the same to that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I only watched the championship. Yeah, same with this one for me. It's just I don't know why I watched the other one too much. Maybe it's because I had a World Baseball Classic commercial every single Cubs playoff game that year in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was like every other commercial I felt like, but. I mean, this is good for baseball, I think. Yeah, I would you, agree. You need this to kind of rival the World Cup. The one weird thing to me is, like, the players can switch countries once they're already played for them. I mean, Marcus Stroman was, I think, pitching for Costa Rica or Cuba. I can't remember which one. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a good tournament. I mean, the USA stacked. I mean, if you look at the players they have, it's just their pitching, man. Yeah. It really was just their pitching. It was really, really good. That's for sure. It was, and it was a good tournament. I mean, I think we're going to talk next week is opening day, next yes. Friday? Uh, so, Thursday. Next Thursday. Week okay, so today. we'll have our whole preview next. But we can talk about a little bit about baseball right now. Sure. So, Daniel, you are a fan of an NL East team, or the AL East team. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of an NL Central team. 
Well, you could you you could talk about the American League. What is one team this year? Let's just say besides the Red Sox, in your opinion, which team do you think is going to be a surprising out of the American League? Well, I wasn't going to say the Red Sox. <laughs> I feel like kind of what you see with them is what you get. But I don't know. That's hard. Like obviously, some of the biggest storylines from the um, American League this off season were. Aaron Judge taking less money to stay with the Yankees, named first captain since Derek Jeter. That's cool. Despise the team, but I respect Aaron Judge. And, you know, I, tr- I don't hate players as individuals because I don't know them personally, but I will hate a team collectively. That's kind of my stance on it. So, good for him. Um, the Rangers signing Jacob deGrom. Like, I feel like the Rangers might be that team this year. They'll get a good 15 games out of him. <laughs> yeah, like, they've... If that somehow works out and he plays a good bit, they've really done a lot to bolster that team, especially the pitching staff, which has been the issue. I mean, it has been. I mean, they've not been the same since 2011, 2010, when they've been to back-to-back World Series. But they've got some they got some guys now on this team. I mean, looking through their roster a little bit, I mean, they were um, – you got Jacob deGrom pitching. Um, just looking to see other names I can recognize. Um we got Corey Seager now as well, Marcus Simeon. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean they could do something. I could see that. It's just a matter of I think it's fully reliant on Jacob's health because he, unlike the Mets, the Rangers don't have a Scherzer to come up the next day and pick up the slack to be the number one guy. Yeah. For the American League, remember when I said the White Sox prediction last year? I was such a that was a bad prediction. My predictions on the show, besides the Avalanche, have been not good at all. It happens. Um, the East is just so, so stacked. I mean, the, the, the Orioles could finish first in the division or finish, like, last. Um, I don't know why. Something's telling me the Tigers. Something in the really? back of my head is telling me the Tigers, but I don't think so. Um I'm going to go with the Rays again. Just the amount of consistency that they're able to have with not the biggest team, not a bunch of names. They can't win a name off with a lot of other teams. It's just consistency that they have. They beat up on the teams they're supposed to beat up on, and then they grind out the American League East. So that's why I think the Rays for me. Okay. Now the National League. I do think the Cubs are going to be better than people expect. However, yeah, I'm, not pre- I'm not predicting them to finish ahead of the Cardinals. I think they'll finish second in the Central. Hopefully they'll fight, fight their way for a wild card. Yeah, um, I feel like a win for the Cubs will just be getting back to playing meaningful baseball in September. Yeah, would just I feel like most Cubs fans would take that just after because pretty much every year after the World Series has either been just kind of average or bad. Um, so hopefully, they can kind of just get back to a point of contending at least. But for me, I think the team that can surprise. I mean, I could say anyone in the National League East besides like the Nationals, and then be like, "Oh, you're just you don't know ball." Um, I don't know something about me saying the Marlins. I don't know what it is, but Jazz Chisholm's just that electric, and I think they finally embraced just like the whole tank aspect that it was last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna finish. I think they could be battling for Walker, but I think that's a win for the Marlins. Yeah, I, I think just, so too. I mean, no one's beating the Braves or the Phillies or the Mets. I just can't see it. But I could be wrong. What about you? Um, I feel like the Cardinals are not going to be quite what they were last year. Um, obviously the 
the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants are all going to be pretty good baseball teams out in the West. Um, I don't know. Uh, the West is hard. The NL is hard. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds. Why not? I mean, like you said, we never get these right. So might as well cut out. Might as well get We don't get these right for non-hockey. But, right. yeah. Um, I mean, Aaron Judge, talk about him. MVP last year. I mean, I don't think he's going to get 62 home runs again, but. I hope not. Excuse me. I haven't done that in a while. I hope not. But do you, how much of a drop-up do you think he'll have compared to that? I mean, I think he'll still hit at least 40. Yeah. Um, I feel like most people who are talented hitters should hit 40 if they play for the Yankees. And, I mean, he's good. I mean, He's good. I mean, I don't like the Yankees either. Not as much as you don't like them, but. Besides, like, the Cardinals, I'd probably say they're my second least favorite team. Maybe the White Sox up there. But, I mean, he's good. I mean, you just can't deny that. Um, yeah. Just trying to think of other people in new spots this year. I mean, I mean, uh, Justin Verlander just winning the Cy Young with the Astros, now going to the Mets. That's going to be an interesting one-two punch. I mean, the Mets continuing their tradition of having their best one-two starting pitching staff in baseball. Mm-hmm. And they're not winning the division with it. That's true. That's funny. Sorry, Tyler. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but the Angels, man. Let's talk about it real quickly. They have Shohei Otani, who this is his last year of his first deal with the Angels. Um, Mike Trout as well. Not as much as Sho- Shohei. People are saying he can be worth $600 million. How important do you think it is for the Angels to make the playoffs this year? Because they, they're not the biggest team. They've gotten extremely lucky with Trout and Otani, and they just – Mike Trout's been to the playoffs once. They got swept by the uh, Royals the year the Royals won it all in 2015. Yep. In the divisional round. As the best player in your generation, how does that make you? Like, I get that you're paying you a lot of money, but my goodness, if the, if the Phillies come knocking, I mean, I can't see him saying no. No, absolutely not. Yeah, this is just so... Getting a taste of watching Mike Trout play meaningful baseball and that was my favorite thing about the World Baseball Classic. I only watched one game from about start to finish, and just, like, all the highlights and stuff, just seeing Mike Trout have big time at bats was just phenomenal to witness. So I feel like it is absolutely imperative for the Angels to make the playoffs this year. I think you're saying goodbye to Shohei Otani. He's going to go to New York. I've already accepted that. He's either one set of pinstripes or the other. Um... And then Trout, I mean, and he's still got his contract, which someone would have to trade for him, or he'd have to. I think he has a no trade clause, so I think he'd have to waive it. Yeah. But I mean, he just loves Philly so much. I mean, I think that's his goal. At least I think he will before he retires play in Philly, just because he's that big of an Eagles fan and yeah. everything. But I would love the Cubs to take run at Otani, man. That'd be so cool. But I mean, yeah, I think they at least have to make the playoffs this year. They're if they're losing Otani, I just can't see him. I mean, you can't pay Trout that much money and then Otani. Because that was right. the problem with Trout all those other years. I mean, you'd pay him this much money, you had nothing else to give to pitchers. Because technically, they're still technically the small market Los Angeles team. Yeah. they're You're not the Dodgers. No. And just, I mean, yeah, you can't take on a giant contract like Otani and Trout. That would be close to a billion dollars with both of them, which is absolutely insane. I think Trout's <laughs> around $400 million. If Otani gets $600 million, Two players being worth a billion dollars. Only baseball. Right. Oh, maybe soccer, that's it. But, like, 
you're not getting the two best players in the sport on the same team. No. It's not happening. But don't worry, we'll have much more of baseball coverage on next week's MLB preview. But when we come back, we're talking about the world of the National Hockey League. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. It's been a loaded show today. Only about 45-ish minutes left. So we're just going to hop right into the National Hockey League. As our listeners know, we'll always start with the standings. Let's start off at the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic and still the only team in the National Hockey League to wrap up a postseason berth. It is the Boston Bruins sitting at 113 points, 54 wins, 11 losses, and five overtime losses. 70 games, I think. How many games are in the regular season? 82. 82. So we're getting down to the wire. Still only one team to clip the playoff spot. This just shows how wide open the world of hockey is right now. Absolutely. But the Bruins still sitting 20 points above the Maple Leafs. So, Daniel, as a Brewers fan, is it – what game do you start resting some people? Um, They're at 70 right now. You're at 70 right now. I would say get to 75. And then for, like, the last um, eight or so games, like, start resting people. Uh, I think they're already kind of planning on it. I've noticed like the last couple games that the fourth line has been the second line and that the third line has been the first at times. Like they've kind of been playing around with that a little bit. Just kind of, you know, sort of like tire rotation on a car, if that makes sense. I feel like that's a good analogy just because mm. there's more pressure on the front tires. So you kind of, you know, I don't know how many people actually do this. You're supposed to get your tires rotated like every, whatever, thousand miles. Um, I've had that done approximately once. I definitely have not done that. (laughs) Every thousand miles, I'm... I don't think it's it's thousand. I think it's like 10 or 15. It takes me 400 miles to get home, so... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I I feel like that's kind of what the Bruins are doing here, is they're kind of putting more pressure on the back lines for right now, just kind of less pressure on the front. And they're doing that with the defense as well. So, I mean, if you drop a few more games here, like obviously if they drop all 12 of these, they'll make the they'll still be in the playoffs. Probably. They can drop all 12 and still probably be the one seed. Probably. Um, so, yeah. Moving on, now we got the Maple Leafs, 93 points, uh, 20 points behind the Bruins, followed by the Lightning, Panthers, Senators, Sabres, Red Wings, and the Canadiens. All all the Eastern, all the Atlantic are still in a position to make a playoff spot. I think that is the only division in hockey that still has that, and I am yeah. correct with that. Moving on to the Metropolitan Division, it's going to come down to the wire in first place with 100 points are the Carolina Hurricanes, 46-15-8, and eight, follow only two points ahead of the New Jersey Devils at 98, and only eight points ahead of the New York Rangers at 92. I think Carolina's going to hold on to this one just because they have the games in hand still. Well, all it takes is a Carolina loss and a New Jersey win. And, like, within a day of each other, New Jersey's got it. True, but then you also got to remember that the Canes still have two extra games to play. That's right. I just saw that. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I'd rather be the Rangers now just because of the Blackhawks' compensation. But, yeah. It is what it is. Islanders, Penguins, Capitals, Flyers, and the eliminated Columbus Blue Jackets are the rest of that division. Moving on now to the Western Conference and the Central Division. This one is very close as well at the top. It is the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild, both tied at 90 points at the top, 
fall by the reigning Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, only two points behind both of them, followed by the Jets, Predators, Blues, Coyotes, and the eliminated Chicago Blackhawks. Yikes. Do you, do you think – I still think Dallas is going to come out of this one. But I'm going with Minnesota, honestly. Minnesota does have the goalkeeping advantage. Just, they do. And look at – got to be so mad if you're a Stars fan. 14 overtime losses. Yeah. That has got to be – that is brutal to just be that close and just have – who plays that many overtime games? That is incredible. The only team that has more overtime losses than them are the um, Calgary Flames who had 15. Yeah, and at least you get a point for that. At least you do, but it's just got to be so close just because it's different than uh, than soccer in that regard. Yeah. Ah, the Blackhawks, man. They can't send Bernard to Columbus, can they? Tell me they can't. I don't know. I don't think Columbus will have the money. So, that's something. They can't They can't draft Bernard. They just can't. It has to be us. It can't be the Ducks, Sharks, or Blue Jackets. That'll be a median nightmare for the NHL, which oh, we'll, have, we'll go through this game and we'll talk about this. Uh, Pacific, uh, Vegas in first, 94 points, 44, 21, and 6. Followed two points behind by the Kings and four points behind by the Edmonton Oilers. Then it goes Kraken, Flames, Canucks, and the eliminated Ducks and San Jose Sharks. Stats, it's just the McDavid show again, I'm going to guess before I even click on it. Yep, 138 points, 60 goals. And there's three Bruins now at the top of the plus minus, Lindholm, Grizzlick, and Carlo. Love to see it. Love that. Well, that it probably should look like that if they're that far ahead of everyone else. Yeah, thirteen points ahead of everyone else besides the Hurricanes. With that uh, NHL related news. Did you hear about who's getting the jersey deal? Okay, that it makes I've me been s- waiting so mad. To slam this. It for makes days. me so mad. So if you did not hear at the conclusion of the 2023-2024 NHL season, so at the end of next year, the partnership that the NHL has had with Adidas, which has produced some jerseys that were expensive but very, very nice, is coming to an end, and Fanatics will be the uniform sponsor of the NHL. Now, for poor NHL fans like myself, if you've wanted a jersey for your favorite team over the past few years uh, but didn't want to pay $250 for the Adidas one, you could pay $140 for the Fanatics one. Um, So I have a couple of Fanatics jerseys. But I don't want the players to be wearing that. Yeah. Leave that to me. Leave that. Yeah. Even though I got a Patrick Kane um, 88 jersey a couple years ago on sale with Adidas, which yeah, I have a couple jersey. Adidas jerseys. I think their only problem was with the uh, reverse retros. Those were terrible. I mean, some were fine, though. Some were bad. Some were very, oh, very bad. Yeah. But like my my favorite jersey they made was the Minnesota Wilds um, Winter Classic jerseys last mm. year. But my thing is, are the players in the NHL should not be wearing fanatics jerseys? No. How could he be one of the biggest sports leagues? Probably third or fourth in the in the America, probably fourth. But you don't have a main jersey sponsor. I mean, how you have a national broadcast deal with ESPN? How in the world do you not get like I get Adidas is probably hard for them because they've never had to make hockey jerseys like this before. I get why Nike's kind of staying away from this because they're not really big into like. The hockey brand aspect, it should be like, hockey brands are really not in, like, other sports. Like, let me for example, like, Bauer. Bauer, no, CHM. Yes, all those hockey brands, like, but they don't make jerseys. That's where it kind of gets rough for them. Like, in return, NBA, basketball shoes, basketball jerseys, NFL, Nike cleats, Nike jerseys, baseball, yeah. Nike baseball cleats, 
Nike jerseys, kind of like that, where no one was really wearing Adidas skates. I don't even know if they make skates. I don't think so. I think all the skates are Bauer um, for the most part. I was really kind of hoping to go back to CCM or mm. even Reebok. I mean, I know Reebok's pretty dead. Reebok, I think they got – it was part of um, Adidas, and they got bought Okay. out by someone. Like, heck, Starter Athletic would be better. Than How this. can you not get someone to take on – like, Fanax can keep making their the cheap jerseys for people. But, like – like, okay, it's this the, is – I know this is besides the point. The Fanatics gear sucks. Yeah, it's okay? not good. This There's never been a worse time to buy gear for your favorite hockey team. You know how hard I have to look for a Bruins Adidas shirt? Way harder than I should. And the thing is with Fanatics, it's kind of like the same thing with Ticketmaster. They run the NFL fan yep. shop, the NBA fan shop, yep. the MLB fan shop. Keep they run going. the MLS fan shop, the NHL fan shop. They're they starting man- to expand. Like, if, for example, you go into an arena and it's the St. Louis Blues Pro Shop powered by Fanatics, they're everywhere. You can't get away from them. You can't. Um, <laughs> reading some of the comments from the NHL Instagram off this jersey announcement, someone goes, won't be buying jerseys for 10 years. Thanks for saving me money. And another person in the comments, I've never seen a more unanimous dislike. That is also true. It's literally the worst thing that could have happened to jerseys. Uh, they actually got the company that makes cheap knockoff jerseys to make the actual jerseys baffling. I'll even buy the t-shirts that have the Fanatics logo. That's pretty funny. Um, won't buy a product for the next 10 years. Um, time to replace Gary. <laughs> uh, rip jersey quality. So basically everyone's just... Yeah. Is there anyone who likes this? Uh, they pinned the Fanatics comment where it goes, our combined commitment to product oh, innovation started up, with Fanatics. the fans and will now expand to the, include the official uniforms of the world's best hockey players. We can't wait for you to see what we have in store. Now, mm. I don't have a problem with Fanatics jerseys with me, like if I bought them, because but I already have yeah. an 88 red Blackhawks jersey. I don't care. But like if I go to the team shop and it's the same price as the Adidas like authentic jersey I got, I'm having a problem. Yeah, I'm not paying 250 bucks. There should be no way. Because that's the one Adidas NHL jersey I have, um, it's a Patrice Bergeron one. It's the third jersey we wear. I got it on sale because as the A-patch when he got promoted to captain. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show you, like, and you know I collect jerseys. That's mm-hmm. my thing. I cannot do. I cannot bring myself to drop the money that those cost. So, yeah, yeah I'm with you. If they're the same price – my hockey jersey collecting days will come to a hiatus for at least a decade. Yeah, just it makes no. It was you have to tell me that Under Armour, a brand that's kind of struggling right now since they lost the MLB, they lost the MLB jersey deal. They couldn't pick up this or something like that. Some brand like that's trying to grow more in America, like a Puma. Yeah, Puma would be sick. I just don't get I mean, Adidas probably just wasn't seeing a return on investment, honestly. I mean, probably not. Maybe that's because they're so expensive. But, I mean, just one thing, if you look at the schools, like the schools who are Adidas schools, their gear is always considerably cheaper. Like, I have a lot of Indiana gear mm-hmm. that I got for not a lot of money because Adidas gear is just not that unaffordable. Yeah. I, I It's interesting, like, the Adidas schools. They're just, like – Random ones, kind of like Under Armour. Really, Nike's just trying to. No one ever leaves Nike. No, just because it just it works that well. Please, let's go to Nike. But <laughs> yeah, that's a conversation for another time, which we could go very in depth on. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it just makes really no sense. Like, it just makes me mad that like they couldn't figure out like another of the big brands. Under Armour probably wasn't going to be Nike. Puma. Uh, 
other random brands like Mizuno, maybe. <laughs> That'd be, yeah. Hell. Just makes no sense, but yeah, it is what it is. But that is going to do it for our talk on the NHL. When we come back, we're going into the world of the National Basketball Association. 30 minutes left of the show. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. Before the break, we talked about the National Hockey League, and now we're going to get into the National Basketball Association. Yes, the National Basketball Association. Let's start off by looking at the standings currently. It is in the East. Let's start off the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, and 76ers have all clinched a playoff spot. Milwaukee in first, Boston two and a half games back. 76ers three games back, so it's probably going to be one of those three who end up in the top three, uh, then followed by Cleveland. New York and Brooklyn in the automatic playoff spots. Then it goes the Heat, Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls currently in the play-in tournament. And then the Pacers, Wizards, Magic, and then eliminated right now already, the Hornets and the Pistons. Yikes. The Hornets are going to get the fourth pick. I'm so mad. We should have tanked more. We win random games. It makes me infuriatingly mad. (laughs) It infuriates me how they'll – They'll play bad for all this stuff, and then somehow they'll go and beat the Knicks in the Garden on their nine-game win streak. Like, how? Why do you do that? Why? Stop. Stop winning. We have to be able to keep... <laughs> I know Detroit... I know the NBA does not want to send the women to the Pistons. They don't want to send them to the Rockets or the Spurs. Well, maybe the Rockets if James Harden goes back, but still. Yeah. Imagine a team of Jalen Green, James Harden, Jabari Smith, a Wimbenyata, and some other center. That'd be lit. Would. Um, but yeah, Celtics. Um, kind of going average in these past couple games, five and five. But they've been playing some. They've been playing at least the top three, four seeds in the East each night the past couple days. I feel like. Yeah, um, it, it's been very, very up and down, and kind of frustrating to watch. But the main reason it's been frustrating is just because of how hot they started the year. Like normally, you know, being the two seed and two and a half games back from one seed wouldn't like I'd be like okay like that's solid but not when you're literally the one seed from what feels like opening night until March is is basically how long it felt like the Celtics were in control so just kind of seeing that evaporate kind of quickly was just like whoa yeah just but then all like these teams are just getting healthy I guess at the right time yeah per se but I mean, you're still sitting pretty right now. I mean, I don't really see anyone coming out of the East that's not one of those top three teams. So there's that, I guess. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting playoffs in the East especially. Um, let's see what else we can talk about. Let's go down to the West. We got the Denver um, – starting off, the Denver Nuggets are leading the league – and uh, wins right now, followed by a three and a half points back are the Grizzlies. Both those two teams are the only teams to commit to the playoffs so far, uh, followed by the Kings, who are probably going to uh, clinch in a couple days, the Suns, Clippers, and back into the automatic playoff spot. It's the Golden State Warriors. Followed then in the playing games by the Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, Lakers, um, then the Jazz, Pelicans, um, um, Sorry, uh, Blazers, Spurs, and Rockets. Both the Spurs and the Rockets have been eliminated. 
again, you hear what Damian Lillard said the other night? He's like, I'm not the stage of career to do that, where they're talking about, like, the Blazers now losing out, losing these games now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think that they were at the top, not, it doesn't feel that long ago. And now they're, you know, way down. So, yeah, I just don't really, I don't know. It's kind of, the West has been weird this year because all these teams like that are at the top, started out kind of struggling, and then all the teams that are at the bottom started out really good. And then the ones who are in the middle have kind of just hovered around the middle of the whole year. And then Sacramento being the three seed was not on my bingo card for this year. Um, the Warriors have been holding, or excuse me, the Grizzlies have been holding their own without John Morant, so I didn't see that coming. And then, you know, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith have been going off. They, they might both be Rookie of the Year candidates. So just a lot of crazy stuff has gone on in the NBA. Glad that some of us, or some of it is a little Auburn-centered. Um, so I, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying – this is probably the most NBA I've watched um, in a while. I can't say that. I'm, the Hornets are terrible. But um, we're never on national TV either. But Jabari's getting hot right now. I mean, Walker is on the Kia rookie leader. I think he's the third one right now. I think it's going to be hard for anyone to get catch Paolo Bancaro now that he's just basically stat padding because they're that yeah. bad. But, I mean, he's good, man. He's very good. He's a very good player. I mean, I've never denied that. Um but, yeah, I think the playoffs are going to be interesting this year. I've probably watched them more than I have in the past because the West is just so wide open this year. Mm-hmm. Where the East has just got those three teams at the top. It was more competitive this first half of the year, but it's just been an interesting dynamic. And then going to the season leaders now, I mean, Joel Embiid, 33.2 a game. Luka Doncic, 32.9. Lillard, 32.2. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 31.4. And then Antetokounmpo, 31.2. So that's just an interesting dynamic right that right there. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just kind of like it's weird. It's just it's been a weird year in the NBA. That's the most simple yet most effective way to put it. And I'm kind of excited for the playoffs because I just feel like something really cool is going to happen. Hopefully, that's not a Lakers championship, but I'd be open for just about anything else. Maybe not a Warriors one, or a Bucks one. Or next one, or next. I'm one. only fine with the Warriors just because I can be like, yes, Steph Curry, Charlotte title. I'm counting it. <laughs> I mean, that's valid, but I know it's just we have. I have nothing to hold on to, man. Let me have this. <laughs> you have Man United. We're not gonna win anything besides the Carbo Cup. Well, that's something. That is true. <laughs> never let, never let these Tottenham fans say that. But not too happy with Tottenham right about now. I don't like Tottenham. Um. James Harden, uh, Tyrese Hubbard, and Trey Young are the only people above 10 assists a game. Curry still leading three-pointers, 4.9 a game, followed by Clay at 4.2, as well as Lillard. LaMelo's still up there, four a game, and then Buddy Heald at 3.6. Uh, Sabonis has been killing it on the boards. Walker Kessler's now averaging the f- fourth most boards in the NBA per night at 2.3. Jaron Jackson averages three a night. My goodness, that's crazy. But again you, had, again, you have to remember, Walker was like averaging like four a game at Auburn. Four or five. Which is crazy that it's been able to the the, the efficiencies transition to the NBA. So, and then steals OG Anubi with the Toronto uh, Raptors to to a game. But yeah, basketball's coming down the wire, man. It's been a fun season so far. I feel like. But let's get into this talk. If you had to give an MVP right now, who do you think is going to get it? 
Um, I mean, it's hard to say to not give it to Joel Embiid. Um, I would love to see Shy Gilkis Alexander get it because you know I don't think that's ever gonna happen this no. year, but that'd be cool though. I think it will either be Joel or Luca. Joel or Luca? Yeah. I think so. If, Jay- if Jason would have kept it up a little bit more, I think he could have. But just yeah. at this stage now, I just I can't. I just can't see it with see it happening. But with Jokic, I think it will come down to Embiid and Jokic. If Embiid and them are him, him are that close again, like it was last year, I think Philadelphia might throw an absolute tantrum if he doesn't win. Yeah. But then again, just Jokic is just at the top of like all these other stats besides scoring. Like he's fourth for assists as like a center. He's second in rebounds in the entire league. All this is just just other stuff. I mean, he's probably not that far off of scoring either. Um, or he maybe he might be. I can't. Yeah, he's not. I mean, I'm gonna control F and see what he's at. How do you spell Jokic? I don't know. <laughs> student uh... student radio man. J O K I. Yeah, he's 17th in the league in scoring. Dang. So that's where the Sixers fans get mad, where they want Joel Embiid to win because, oh, he's leading the league in scoring. But then Jokic is in the tops of like all these other categories, mm. which is understandable. I mean, I think it will be Embiid or Jokic. Now, are they going to give it to the same guy three years in a row? That's what's getting me. It's kind of like when, Le- I mean, Jordan was the best player in the 90s all these years, and they gave one to, I think that's how it went. They gave one to J- Charles Barkley just because they just couldn't keep giving Jordan one. Yeah. But, I mean, I love Charles Barkley. It's just it's kind of like the same thing. Like, Steph Curry could have won it any year probably through the mid-2010s. Oh, yeah. And they just had to just keep giving it to other people like that. Just That's the little thing. It's just I the emphasis is on scoring. That is correct. But then again, just all these other, like, categories they, like, look at. I As, agree. All right. So, which – okay. Let's go back to the standings real quick. Which um, team who's currently in the play-in tournament do you think will make it the farthest in the playoffs? So that's the Heat, Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls in the East, and the Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, and Lakers in the West. Out of the East, I think it'll be the Heat, just because, hmm. I mean, like last year they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're 7-3 and three over their last 10. Uh, they average 109 point. Oh, crap. Of the three play-in teams in the East, they averaged the um, lowest amount of points per game, but they also give up the fewest amount of points per game. So it balances out. So I think it'll be the Heat just because they're kind of built like a contender. And then looking at the West between the Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, and Lakers, I am going to go – this one's a lot harder because the you know the 7 and 8 seed in the East have, both have a winning right? – or the 7 seed does. The 8 seed is a – they're 36 and 37, the Hawks. But going over to the West, the – um, seven and eight have a five hundred record, but the uh, Mavericks and Lakers, who are the ninth and tenth, both have a thirty six and thirty seven record. So I don't know. I'm I'm tempted to say the Mavericks, but I could be. I would not be shocked if it was the um, Timberwolves. Yeah. Um. I think coming out of the East. I agree with you. I think it will be the Heat. They got the first round match versus the Hawks. I think they can win that. And then they'll play, I believe, the Celtics or the Bucks. I don't know. Maybe I just can't see them. I, I see them get well, they have to two teams have to get out of the play in, but 
you know, I just don't see really many teams getting past the Bucks or the Celtics. But then on this side, I mean, if you catch Memphis at a bad week, I think I think a fully healthy Lakers or Mavericks can do something. Yeah, I think so. If the Mavericks kind of figure it out, but and I just don't know. Because I just think it's so loaded at the top where I just don't think any of those teams are going to get upset by a playing team. No. But, yeah. I mean, you never know. It could happen. I mean, I think if it does, I think it would have to be the Grizzlies where John Moran just isn't having a good night or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But anything else we want to talk about NBA? Not really. Uh, well, I'll just kind of do this real quick. Tonight, um, there's no nationally televised games. Tomorrow, the Pacers played Celtics. That'll be fun. Philadelphia at Golden Pacers, State. That'd be a big win for the Pacers, too. Trying Wait, to there's get... not a singular national television. Because we got to remember, like, right now is the March Madness for the women's and the men's, and ESPN holds the rights for the women's, and TNT and stuff hold the right for the men's. True. So you got to be thinking about that. Dang. If you, yeah, if you want to watch NBA, um, there's not a nationally televised game until Tuesday. So that that stinks to stink. The Hornets are gonna win and win in Dallas tomorrow night, and I'm gonna be so mad. Yep. <sighs> but yeah, and then um, John Morant's back. Good for him. Yes, very good. Um, and then just trying to think of like any injury that's been like big. I mean, LeBron will probably come back for like the last like two or three games of the regular season. I think mm-hmm. maybe. Yep. I don't know. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our talk on basketball. When we come back, we got the last thing we're going to show. It's who you got. It's all the Sweet 16 and a few other games sprinkled in there. So do not go anywhere. Last segment of the show is coming up. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. It is about time for who you got, and we are both currently – making our picks for the weekend i'm done so is greg so let's get right on into it yes we finally have the updated standings for the last couple weeks we haven't had it in the standings but now the standings we're both tied daniel i are sitting both at 41 and 29 so this is a big week in terms of standings we're getting close to the end of the semester this is a semester long competition each year i won the first semester we both did the eagles that's daniel won last semester so let's see what's going to happen now let's start it off tonight at the Garden, Michigan State versus Kansas State. This will be on TBS. Excuse me, TBS, I believe. Daniel, who you got? I'm going Michigan State. Um, nothing like Izzo in March, so I think the Spartans get it done. January, February, Izzo. <laughs> However, I am going to not pick that. Not so fast, my friend. I'm going to go with Kansas State and uh, Newell, their, uh, Kansas State's best player. They call him Mr. New York City. Daniel, I can't remember. Where is Madison Square Garden located? New York City. That is correct. I right think in the heart of Manhattan yes. on 34th Street by Penn Station. Yes, he's going to put on for the home crowd, the hometown kid. I think gets it done. I think, who, how can you root against that? I'm going for Kansas State. Uh, next up, we have the best coaching matchup of the tournament in terms of fiery attitudes. It is Arkansas and Eric Musselman versus UConn and Dan Hurley. This will be at in Las Vegas, Nevada. Daniel, who you got? Give me the Huskies, man. I think they get it done. I'm going UConn too, but there is something in the back of my head. It's like if Arkansas is clicking on all cylinders, I think it's really hard for any team to stop them in basketball. So they have that much health now. But I think UConn's just been battle tested more these past couple days. But then again, you also have to remember Arkansas took down a one seed, so they beat Kansas. So there's that. But I still think UConn's very good. And the last time, the, the last two, th- three of the last 
four times I think it's been in Houston, UConn's won the title. So take that as you will. Or two of the last yeah. three times, I think. But take that as you will. I'm going to go with the Huskies as well. Moving on now, also in Manhattan, it is FAU versus Tennessee. This will be at the Garden as well tonight. Daniel, you got? Man, I would love to pick the Owls. I just can't bring myself to do it. I think Rick Barnes is going to get this team to the Elite Eight, so I'm going with Tennessee. I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. The fact that they got past Duke without Sakai Ziegler is just crazy. And the fact that they lost Mizzou in the SEC tournament, they lost to Auburn before the SEC tournament, it's just, yeah, they're peaking right now at the right time, even without one of their best players, and especially on the defensive front too, where you needed that, especially against a team like Duke, and they got it done. So pretty impressive. But I'm going to go with the Vols as well. Moving on tonight, our last game of today on Thursday, Gonzaga versus UCLA back again at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Daniel, who you got? UCLA is going to prove everyone wrong. They're going to prove what Gonzaga really is, which is just kind of a fraudulent team. And Gonzaga, or, and UCLA is going back to the Elite Eight. Hmm. UCLA back to the Elite Eight for the second time since 2021. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bruins as well. They're still my national title pick where I picked. It's just even without that energy, it's not really affected them too, too much down the stretch so far. I think they can get it done. Gonzaga does have some weaknesses. It just UCLA's got the matchups to work against, especially people like Drew Timmy. It's not like yeah. the Final Four where they had Jalen Suggs and everyone. So that'll work in UCLA's favor. Moving on now, let's go to Louisville tomorrow afternoon. Late afternoon is the San Diego State Aztecs taking on the number one overall seed Alabama Crimson Tide at the KFC Yum Center. Daniel, you got? Man, I would love to pick the Aztecs, and I'm still rooting for them, but I've got to pick the Tide. Yeah, I just – my. My heart wants me to pick San Diego State, but then my brain's screaming at me to pick Alabama. So I got to listen to my brain. Alabama is just – everything's clicking right now for them. The thing that's keeping me hope that they won't win at all is just the fact that it's hard to win your conference tournament and the national championship. But then Kansas yeah. did that last year, so whatever. Moving on now, let's go to Kansas City, where it is the Miami Hurricanes taking on the Houston Cougars at the T-Mobile Center. Not the arena. Daniel, who you got? I don't know. I really would like it for somehow both these teams to win, and Auburn and Indiana are both back in the tournament, but that's not possible. So I guess Houston. Yeah, I'm going to go Houston as well. I think at this stage, it's like the Miami style of play kind of wears down. Doesn't It works in the round of um, 64 and 32, just doesn't really work here. There's just so much film on it now. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Houston, especially if Sasser can stay out of foul trouble and stuff. Moving on now, let's go to Princeton versus Creighton, also in St. Louis, uh, not St. Louis, Louisville at the Yum Center. Daniel, who you got? Give me Creighton, man. I, I think, unfortunately, the Cinderella run for Princeton is coming to an end. It's crazy we'll say this stuff like this, but then, like, Princeton was already being a team with a higher seed. But, True. yeah, I think Creighton's just a good team. They match up well with Princeton. I think they could just take advantage of them, so I'm going with Creighton. And our final game of the Sweet 16 tomorrow night in uh, – uh, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, it is Xavier versus Texas. Daniel, what you got? What Texas has done this year, even after everything that happened, has been incredible. Um, the team chemistry has got to be the best in college basketball right now. So I'm going to go with Texas. Yeah, we already talked about it on the show. I'm going to go with the same reasoning behind that. It's just Xavier's played a few close games to more than my liking. They played Kennesaw State really close, and I think Texas can overpower that. And potentially, I mean, you get our – Get our way, there'll be actually the Texas will be the only team left from the Big 12. No, so or actually, no, if I get my way, it'll be two teams because KSU, yeah, 
And then Houston, who will be in the Big 12 eventually. But who knows? And now let's go to the NBA for one game real quick. We have the 76ers versus the Golden State Warriors. Daniel, who you got? Give me the Sixers, man. The Warriors are kind of struggling a little bit. The 76ers are clicking on all cylinders. So even though this one's in San Fran, I'm going with Philly. I'm going to go with the Warriors just off the fact that they're just so dominant at home. Where they well, they've lost like what nine straight on the road, but then like won like twelve straight at home. That's kind of what I'm basing my logic off of. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Warriors in this one just because it's at home. But I think it will be a really really good game. And our final game of the week, it is in the NHL. It is the Toronto Maple Leafs at the Florida Panthers. This is, has a huge effect on the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic standings. Daniel, who you got? Give me Toronto, man. I don't think Florida is really all that good. Since Hot it is take. since it is not the uh, since it is not the postseason, Daniel, I will be going with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right, that right. is they have that ready and able to go. But that is going to do it for our show today. We want to thank you all for listening. We'll be back here same time, same place next week, 11 a.m. Central Time on Weagle 91.1 FM. But for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest. We thank you for listening. If you missed any of today's show, you can check it out on your favorite podcast platform later. But until next week, this has been the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great weekend, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.